1: What I'm saying is that we've all been, you're not the only struggle and you're not even the ones that have struggled the longest and you can't deny your allies where you have them. There's 49 million disabled people, there's 45 million black people. Together, that is almost hundred million people. Separate, it's two groups that are never going to get what they want, but they're both being treated the same by the system that
0: is treating them. Salaam Alaikum everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. (laughs) Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believe them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. and Here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it?
1: Welcome to Public Access America.
0: Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America.
1: May God bless America. So thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. Go ahead and check out the live chat. Yay, Jeffrey. How are you doing today? Uh, what
2: What is up?
1: What is up? What is up? You know, I always forget the first thing to do is check the time because <laughs> we always seem to go about five minutes over.
2: Well, you know, it's it's one of those things. And, you know, I wish I could say that we were going to have our normal two hours to talk, but Ooh. trying to get an appointment to go into the gun range today to go, uh, yeah, go shooting.
1: I was going to ask you if we could cut it to an hour because I got my second COVID shot yesterday. and Nice. Oh, am I feeling it today? And I don't know. I don't know. It might be, I haven't been able to check my blood sugar in a week because of a Medicare issue. And so I don't know if it's that it could be the Arby's that I had as a reward. Uh, No knock on Arby's. It could just be my lifestyle this week.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could be any number of things, but which, which shot did you get? Did you get Moderna or Pfizer?
1: I got the Pfizer
2: Pfizer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people are experiencing effects about 24 to 48 hours after the shot and then they'll have it for a couple of days and and then nothing i'm not i'm
1: not worried about that and it was the same thing it was you know eat something take some advil drink lots of water and rest for the day you know what i mean so it's not it's not as bad as being in a hospital on a ventilator so i'm okay with this I mean,
2: you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that you would love to get a tube shoved down your throat, but there's a difference
1: between Ooh. consent and COVID. That's right. That's right. You know, if <laughs> I'm not paying for it, I'm not paying for it. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I, I thought I would start with just something really simple and just go from there. How does it feel to live in a democracy, like a capitalist democracy? But Washington State seems to be. Like you have a, a Democratic governor, you have some strong get, um, Democratic senators and representatives, you know, um, mm-hmm. how does it feel? Because I live in Florida where it's a capital, capitalistic autocracy. <laughs> so right. I'm kinda, how does it how is it on the other side of the Mississippi?
2: it's still an autocracy whether you want to believe it or not because there really is no compromise on anything and the only difference is, is our tax rates just keep going up so yeah 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 you know we, we we've we've supposedly you know allocated a bunch of money to you know fix the issues surrounding homelessness and yes we have a pr- fixed approximately zero of that, but they've collected millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on that fix.
1: Right. Any uh, now, you
2: know, Ins-
1: Inslee actually devoted $31 million of the rainy day fund to battle the 27,000 homeless people and get them off the streets in reasonable and rational ways. And the Republican legislator who is like, holds the purse strings said, no. And yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that. Like Republicans just seem to not mind if like. um, When they're the
2: ones spending the money, it's great. They're, they're fine. Yeah.
1: But they, they just don't seem to mind if we, if people die, like the outskirts, you know, the uh, fringe people, the homeless people, disabled people, the Democrats, the minorities, but I, I don't know. There's something about Washington state that feels a little different because you guys were. You were created out of the white supremacy Mm -hmm. um, legacy, but it's radically changed. You know what I mean? And well,
2: I would say that I would say that around the Sound is very different from the other half of the country, or the other half. Well, the other half of the country and the other half of the state too, (laughs) because at least you know around the Sound, you know Thurston Pierce, Kings, the Hamish County, right. That's very much the "quote unquote" liberal bastion of Washington, and that's where most of the population lives. Okay. The rest of the state's red.
1: Yeah, Spokane but Spokane
2: being Spokane on the eastern side of the state, being closer to blue, but
1: right there's just it's it's more sparsely populated, I would imagine, mm-hmm. than having a Seattle. What's it like? I wanted to ask you about that. That's the sound, right? That's not a bay.
2: Yep, correct.
1: And how cool is that? I just imagine the ocean is just so cool on that side up north, you know?
2: The sound itself is, I mean, it's its really neat to look across and see mountain ranges because I lived up in North Seattle for a while um, when I was going to school. And, you know, on a good clear day, it was really neat to look across the sound to see the Olympics. But that drive around the peninsula, man, is it gorgeous. It is an amazing drive. It's, okay. it's, it's about, it's, it's like a four or five hour drive around. And, uh, depending on whether or not you want to stop off and look at some things or not, it's, uh-huh. it's just, a, it's a great drive. But when you get the chance to like, s- just step out to the ocean itself, you know, it's, it's just really awesome. Yeah. It, it, It just has a whole different feel to it when you're sitting there and you're, you know, just staring out and knowing that there is like thousands of miles of ocean to the next landmass that you're just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's so cool.
1: It is real. Does the, does the sound like freeze up? Mm -mm. No. Okay
2: nope um during the summers it's it's really nice because you'll get like that breeze off the sound Smells like gas but it feels great
1: uh-huh yeah yeah
2: <clears throat> but i get to when we go walk around uh when we would go walk around outside and go look at you know they they do like some spring arts and and summer arts festivals and, and you know little things around the the pier here and um It's like, you know, I'd always go look and be like, okay, neat, 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 neat. And then I'd go look at the water because there'd be jellyfish in the water and I'd just watch them swim and yeah, there's something serene about it.
1: But I I do, I like, I grew up around Lake Michigan, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's big enough to where you can't see the other side. And to me from Chicago sitting on Navy pier, it was the best feeling in the world just to sit there and watch the water. And even in the in the winter or late fall when it would start getting cold and chilly I love watching water when it's cold like it's mm-hmm. a whole different feel than than I live on the gulf and you know we can go out a friend took me out on the penins one of the little peninsulas that you know go jets into it and it was nice it was warm it was a beach it was a typical Florida beach and for some reason it, it just doesn't do much for me but it's nice to sit on the sand and just <laughs> anywhere it's nice to be out you know for me i always
2: liked i always liked the water it was it's one of those places where it just you know, being next to it you just have that the sounds of the waves washing in and it's just super relaxing
1: yeah is it is that because you grew up in the midwest
2: uh i wouldn't say that uh because i don't know that that's necessarily uh because i grew up in the midwest thing uh i just like being near the water you know and like so my last name uh in old german uh, old english old german is say which literally translates to guardian of the sea nice and so i've always kind of wondered if like there's just something there like in the dna of you know generations okay. past where being on being on the water is just something that's really relaxing for me
0: Okay.
1: I understand that. I always wanted to see the water because Mm -hmm. I never got to see the ocean, but Mm -hmm. I talked to people that grew up in Florida and they're like, I don't even go to the beach. It's like we did that growing up every day. Why would I you know it's just boring? And I'm like, how could that be boring? You know? <laughs> right. Well, I
2: mean, even like where I grew up out in, you know, eastern Montana, it's like, you know, we had the rivers where mm-hmm. you know that that still had its own, you know, nice little sound, or you'd have like yeah. a small lake here or there, but I also grew up by Fort Peck. So, you know, it was really nice to get out there every so often, but <clears throat> even as a kid, the lake was at like low levels. And it wasn't until like right before I left that Fort Peck went back to full pool for the first time since like the 70s. Like they actually had to, like at the dam, they actually had to open the emergency spillways in order to, and they actually had to test them because they hadn't, they hadn't opened them since like the 90s or something like that. Wow so it was it was pretty wild and then you know because i also worked worked for the usda i did a lot of experiments on noxious weeds out around fort peck and so one of the places that i used to do uh the experiments was actually where you know i would have been under 20 feet of water mm-hmm. uh, but because the lake had receded so much there was like a little river channel that was like a mile and a half away
1: nature oh, yeah. is so, just the best <clears throat> I really like oh,
2: that. Nature's fantastic. I think personally though like like my favorite smell when it comes to nature though is uh if, when it hasn't rained for a while Okay. and then you get that fresh rain and you that earthy smell to it. Yes. Called petrichor.
1: Interesting.
2: Um literally translated like blood of the gods. And so a lot of for a long while nobody understood what what that smell was or where it came from. But what they figured out is, is that you know plants produce a bunch of oils, right? And when it rains, the those oils wash down to the soil, and that's how it those plants reduce competition around them for resources for food. Wow! And so that smell, we're like, Oh, that's great, wonderful, and all, it's literally all these plants going, "Fuck you, get away from me!"
1: It's a defense system, yeah. Social yeah. distancing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Social distancing for plants.
1: (laughs) I love that because I'm, I'm in a unique spot on the panhandle. And so one breeze I get from the ocean, you know, the Atlantic, and then the other breeze I get from the Gulf. And then, Mm -hmm. so it's just, it's so amazing. We don't get like hurricane Michael, hurricane Michael came here, but we don't get devastating hurricanes as much as tornado watches, but just the smell right before it's going to rain is just so great here. And I don't mm-hmm. like a lot of things about Florida, but the nature of it is pretty great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the nature of it is pretty great, you know, from what I've heard. Uh, although there seems to be a few wild politicians that need to get reined in. And by reined in, I mean thrown in
1: jail. Yeah. Do you ever hear the story on the nightly news? Florida man, right? Yeah. That's what I've been trying to explain to people is that. Matt Gates is horrible and disgusting, but he's that story. Florida man. Yeah.
2: You know, and like and also like your your election commissioner
1: now. Oh yeah, yeah. For that county, right. And then they yeah. they went and they put in like candidates, <laughs> fake candidates, and and put them on the ballots to run against other, you know, to split the democratic votes. So there's a lot of scandal here, man that's for sure the scandal is bad the child porn and the sex trafficking
2: you know it's funny to me you know like the group of people who thought that there was this cabal of pedophile democrats yes turns out that you know that finger that was pointing out needed to get reversed
1: yeah i was saying that about donald trump the whole time he he deflects what's that he reflex what's that i don't know what that's saying is where what you're telling people and so when he started calling people a pedophile, I was like, projects, oh, projects. Oh, yeah, projects. I was like, oh, this isn't good. If you're calling people pedophiles, that means you know a bunch of pedophiles, and you're trying to deflect, you know. The
2: the, the funniest fucking part about this is Matt Gates got outed by his own fucking Venmo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, dude dude like like have you never bought weed on the fucking street you pay
1: cash to your friend right i don't know i use the cash app by the way (laughs) casey where are you (laughs) (laughs) but that's what in florida i learned that like the younger people don't fight the system they're finding ways around it and so this guy i'm not going to mention his name created an app if you Mm -hmm. want drugs you just need to know somebody that knows the app and you're taken care of so Mm -hmm. we work around the system here which never which means nothing ever gets solved it just it turns into crappier 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 laws
2: (laughs) right and and that's where like You know, for as much as people have bitched about the whole legal weed stuff, you know, the things that we know are number one, like you actually get a, you know, from a consumer standpoint, you get a reliable product that's not laced with stuff. Like right now, like the biggest concern out here in Washington is, is that street drugs are being laced with fentanyl. Yeah, everything is now. And it's. I mean, like, that shit is, like, when I was working in the hospital system, a lot of places wouldn't carry fentanyl in the hospital right. system. They're like, we don't have the ability to, to control it the right. way that it needs to be controlled. We don't have the ability, you know, from a medical, from medically speaking. Uh-huh. They're like, and the liability of it is too huge in the wake of the opioid epidemic. It's just like, yeah. there was no way for them to actually have a good, solid handle on this. And I don't blame them. Like the shit is lethal on a good day.
1: Yeah, it 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 ranges. I I my first wife was a a drug addict, a pill popping drug addict. And when she found fentanyl patches, she used to put it in her mouth like chew. And she overdosed twenty one times in the nine years, you know that she, that she was addicted. And a large large portion of that became when it was the fentanyl. She just her body couldn't radically take it you
2: know and and unfortunately it's like they're like counteracting that shit in order to keep people from like in the hospital i mean in the hospital setting that's that's how bad that stuff is right and so you know with weed being legal here it's like people are able to go in to get something really fucking potent if they need it and you know Mm -hmm. you don't have to you don't have to deal with any of the other shit I mean, and that's the thing is like, as, as more growers come online, prices get cheaper. I mean, it's the thing about like the whole competition of it is, is at least now you have a reliable and a safer product than, than I ever did growing up or, or, you know, because, you know, at least when my parents were growing up, it was still just fucking ditch weed. You know,
1: I remember a guy coming home from Tennessee and he's like had bags and bags of just weed that was growing on the side of the road. And two days of trying to clean that stuff up all we found was like thousands of bugs on the ground you know what i mean
2: right exactly weed no and and you had to smoke like you know an entire fucking joint in order to get anything you know that was what my parents you know that's what my parents grew up with whereas you know for us now it's like you know i can take a hit and i'm good for i'm good for the
1: evening that's what's crazy is like i see on the dating apps hey uh come smoke me out or smoke me out and i'm like i do one hitters i don't smoke out right if i if i
2: have to if i have to sit down and smoke a whole bunch you know yeah. then i'm not getting my bang for my buck right i just want I, to take a couple of hits and just be chill for the next few hours
1: right i had a buddy <clears> that he would roll blunts uh yeah, I really loved him, and but he when he rolled a blunt, he would be like, "Here you go," and then, you know, he'd take a couple hits, give it to me. I'd take a couple hits, and I'd be like, "Thanks." And he'd be like, "No, we're smoking the whole thing." And I'd be like, "No, you know, I don't need to waste weed like that. Like, you go ahead and waste your weed that way. I appreciate you getting me high. I'm not going to take advantage of that by taking more than I need. You know,
2: right? You know, and and that's just it. Is is that? with the availability that's out there now and and the number of shops that are out there like being able to walk in and say hey i'm not looking to get myself baked i'm looking for some pain management they're like hey we got you so here's a list of things or you know i know people that do it. you know use it for anxiety i know people who use it yeah because um uh, for example, I've had a couple of friends that have gone through cancer treatment and mm. their appetite has just been trash and they need to yep. eat something. That's me. They're like they're like, All right, this is what you need. This is what's gonna get your appetite going.
1: Yeah. My my depression. My depression when I lost my wife was I didn't deserve to live. So why eat? Because if I didn't eat, then all I thought about was how hungry I was. But once I ate, I remembered everything else. So my body says, don't eat. And, but when I get high, I'm like, pizza, <laughs> right. And so It helps me that way, you know? And I don't know. I just don't think it's I don't think it's that big of a deal. I never really have. I just hope, I hope like the government is talking about legalizing it, which is great for banking, but I don't. Mm-hmm. They're they're t- also talking about putting a cap on it, and like we talked about, I think last week was like, no, that's not good, you know. Like
2: no, and and you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like <clears throat> what the feds need to do at this point and just is just legalize it and allow states to decide whether or not they're going to allow mm-hmm. for shops to take place or not. Yeah. You know because you've got a bunch of red states and blue states that have already legalized it and you know, the only thing that's missing is the ability for these these companies to have access to banks
1: and inter, and interstate uh delivery you know what interstate
2: I mean? delivery you know and, and allow the states to work you know work that out Whether well, you know what states can can trade with each other or yeah. even if it's just like on a producer level it's like hey if you're going to meet washington standards as a producer these are the things that you have to do x y and z oh yeah 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 <clears throat> you know that's just it um But even then, you know, at least here, you know, they have, you know, a liquor and cannabis board, and they actually go out and they do inspections. So you have, so I mean, you're going to have, there's going to be a short term issue where you're going to have a bunch of very individual state laws that are going to not necessarily contradict each other, but make the trade a little bit more difficult until everybody kind of starts to get to actually work together and say, all right, what makes sense? What, what makes sense from a, you know, a grower standpoint, what makes sense from, you know, interstate standpoint.
1: But isn't it the government's job to like, butt in before anything is going on before they know, before anybody knows anything, they do a study with some guy that's unrelated to it. And then that's the facts. And now we're regulating it this way. I just, I wish the government would just stay out of it and watch as it grows. And like we, like I always say, policy comes from the ground up. And so I would love it if, if growers created policy.
2: That's that's my thought on the matter is, is that it needs to be growers that need to do it. You know, the states, like I said, the states are going to have their own regulations. And then once, Mm -hmm. once it's legal from a federal standpoint, then, you know, growers can come together and determine what's going to be the best because because growers don't want you know people getting sick off their product i mean that's that's the reality of it and (laughs) those are things that have to be you know looked after and taken into account yeah. So okay. even,
1: even seed trade, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like mm-hmm. that has to be regulated in some, with some agri, like the department of agriculture or the FDA, right? One of those two would have USDA
2: to is what it would be. If, if you're going to do like as a crop thing, Okay, I mean, if you, if you're going to, so if you take it off, if you take it off the drug list, then the FDA wouldn't have any say in it anymore. That's From awesome. there would be a USDA issue because okay. there you're dealing with agriculture and crops. Cause so essentially, it's how you—that—that's what I think is—is is the way that it should be looked at as more of a USDA thing rather than an FDA thing. Okay. Because, because you know, when you look at the liquor board, for example, all the stuff that goes into making liquor, you know, it's not treated under the FDA necessarily. Right.
1: Fair enough. Um. So. So, like, meth would be then, if they were, if they, if they were to legalize meth, it would because it's made out of. pharmaceuticals okay yeah there's meth or
2: uh opium uh like 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 heroin right Um, right, those things those would be fda i would say related
1: items man legalize heroin please i don't do it i don't do heroin but just please legalize it
2: (laughs) that one is such a that one's such a fucking mess because that one that one you you know it's so easy to kill yourself with with meth but you know the only way that you're going to kill yourself on weed is if you decide to do something stupid like go drive
1: right i just think most most heroin addicts they i don't there's those ones that overdose but i think the overdoses are due to it not being regulated i don't know i don't know well i I
2: mean heroin heroin functions a lot differently than you know like what we talk about with uh, say say weed or mushrooms or acid you know because you know with opium like it it would be it would be easier to correlate it with opium than it would be because with opium you know you still have you know you have the same effect as heroin but there's a regulator within the plant itself regulating chemicals that you end up passing out before you kill yourself whereas when with heroin you've manufactured that out (laughs) and so you know and with that with heroin it takes a little bit more each time to get the same level and a little bit more and a little bit more and eventually it's you're either hooked or you end up overdosing
1: interesting
2: you know so so I would be more inclined to say legalize opium than I would say legalize heroin, but I would love realis- realistically, you know, looking at all these countries that are legalizing drugs and then treating, you know, drug addiction as a mental yes. health right. epidemic is is really where it needs to go.
1: Yes. Um, but stabilize the situation first and then work on mm-hmm. that.
2: Well and I, and I think that's where, you know, if you could do that with some of the more you know, the the plants, you know, weed, mushrooms, mm-hmm. acid, opium, if you were to do that with those, you know, have like a set trade that where, you know, you're actually collecting tax money to treat the mental health side of things. Right. But I don't. It's it's a tough one for me because uh, you know, number 1 i really don't have any experience with anybody around me having used opium mushrooms right. acid weed yeah plenty yeah, of yeah, people yeah. i know and and you know there every it's everything from the person who microdoses mushrooms which a lot of really neat studies coming out on that
1: yes microdosing is the way of the future
2: and then you have um but then you've also you know i know people who you know pretty much are just like doing fucking acid every night and it's like god
1: Jeez, you got to double children. up on that. Like you got to, you take one blotter, then you got to take two the next day, then four the next day. That's shit's crazy. Cause I used to do that as a teenager, you know,
2: mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's just it is like, it's like, wow, you know, whereas weed, you know, you know, you got so many different strains that, you know, you're just, you're everything that you're looking for ranges from, you know, this fucking spot in my back has been bothering me for a week right. and I use it to. You know, get myself a little relief to, you know, hey, I'm taking myself a little mini vacation for the night where I want everything to taste good,
1: yeah. I just think if you're if you're a heroin addict or a heroin user, everyone you know is a heroin user. Like I think it's perspective. Like I don't think there's many of them out there because I've never met one, but I guarantee you, the guy that's using it knows every heroin addict in the area. you know what I mean? right. i I just want them to have some peace and comfort while they're taking care of but you know well, and, addi- addiction and, and, has to be addressed as well
2: but also the addiction has to be addressed but you know it's like everything else and and this is the funny part about the way that our system currently works is is that mm-hmm. you know if we make abortion illegal it'll solve the problem kind of like if we make guns illegal it'll solve the problem so let's make yeah. drugs illegal and that'll solve none of that has worked yet I mean, kudos to kudos for thinking that that was going to be the wave of the future. I'd like to congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs. Yeah. And, and the reality is, is is that when you make something illegal, you just push it onto the black market and that's where shit gets dangerous. Women are going to die and women and, you know, women are going to die in these black market abortion places yeah, or they're going to go somewhere where they can do it safely. That's And, right. and I, I don't blame them for choosing the safety option, but I guarantee you there's going to be far more people who choose the necessity option. And you're going to have a lot of dead people because of it. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like with drugs. I'm glad that you've made it illegal, but so far we still got a lot of fucking people dying from overdoses. So, you know, and, and there's a number of people out there will be like, oh, well, you know, crime, on the other hand, we've made a whole bunch. So we should just legalize, you know, everything. No, that's not the point. The thing is, the thing about like drugs and drug addiction is, is that it can be treated.
1: Yeah. You, I mean, uh, you, arguably, you raise, you raise arguably point though,
2: arguably things, you know, things that other things that people do could be treated. You know, mm-hmm. what is, you know, what is the root cause of theft, for example?
1: Right. That's is the it, point.
2: Is is the root cause of theft the simple enjoyment of, of stealing something? Because that's, you know, kleptomania is a thing. Oh, yeah. Or is it the fact that somebody's fucking hungry and they're going to do what they got to do to put food on the table for themselves or their family? That's right. Unlike, you know, let's say domestic violence for instance there is no situation where domestic violence is going to be a necessity i mean i hate to say right. that no i don't no it's you don't. it's not a necessity it's not a necessity at all Mm-mm.
1: no because there's a so, choice there. you can walk away but when it comes to feeding yeah. your family like there's you no choice y- there's no choice there
2: the the one way is far worse than going out you know i that's you know my kids are getting old enough to understand you know what's the difference between moral and ethics Mm. you know and i said you want here's your here's your great choice you can't you know for a while in this pandemic you had places that were not working, people were not working, no money to be had, they're not getting unemployment benefits, and their family is starving at home. So if you can't get work and you can't feed your family, what happens next? People have gone to the grocery store to steal food to put something on the table. Steal something that they can sell to put food on the table. Question Mm. is is, you know, if your family if your family is going hungry, is stealing food okay. And the number of the you know, the number of people who sit down and go, Well, you know, think you think about your it's like, well, I would just find a job. It's like, okay, there are no jobs to be had. Right. Well, I'd just go find it. No, you don't understand. That's like there are no jobs to be had. Everything was shut down. Nobody was working. Right. There was nothing to be had.
1: Which meant so there, was no, there was no, there was no resource, there was no resources for aid because it was overwhelmed, and we never had a strong social net to begin with.
2: It's like so so that that whole conundrum of if my family is starving is it okay to steal stealing is bad and yes stealing but what is worse stealing or letting your family starve and that that is a that is a conundrum right there in of itself that if you've never put yourself into the position if you never thought about that position mm-hmm. you need to start thinking about it because if you really truly think that people's lives actually matter then the idea of people going hungry should be absolutely horrific to you and Mm -hmm. you should be figuring out what ways work best in order to get food on people's tables especially given a pandemic like we have yeah you know and and at its worst the number of people that were hungry and starving i mean i would argue it was criminal for a country like ours
1: that's right through no fault of our own we were Yeah, it was a tough time. But so, like, I want to say with this stuff, like, people are complaining about all the money that's being spent right now. But the truth is, is that... We haven't spent that money in a long time. So if you don't have a social net, then you suddenly need a social net for 10 million, 11 million, 21 million people that were unemployed at one point. You need to backfill that in a hurry. And the way to do that is to go into the deficit. Like this infrastructure, I don't think it's big enough. But if you take the money that the $2 he wants to spend and stretch that out, from the last infrastructure bill that was put out, you'd see that it isn't as much money and it's going 10 years into the future. So you're assuming that that 2 trillion is taking care of 20 years worth of infrastructure at once. And that's not mm-hmm. such a bad thing.
2: But the other thing too, that, you know, that people are not taking into account is <clears throat> like, when you think about in- infrastructure investments, you have to think about the number of th- the number of problems that are going to be alleviated. Number one you know let's start with some of the most basic things that we consume fuel mm-hmm. if you're not having to wait as long uh to get places you're not using as much fuel fuel costs right. eventually get cheaper uh, that means that your cost of goods that you're going to buy get cheaper because fuel is an input into what you're going to buy at the grocery store mm-hmm. so you know the idea that you know it's just about roads is is not logical because while it is about roads, it's also about creating greater efficiencies Now, I have my issues with the government as always, oh my God, and yeah. I have this you know I know you know as as you've unfortunately gotten to experience this week mm-hmm. you know uh, as much as as much as you know I don't want to hijack your pain well now you maybe you see a little bit more as to why i say you know having more government involvement is a terrible decision
1: it is a terrible and i've i'm seeing that that libertarian view took my it took a lot of my perceptions this week a lot of what i saw was through the libertarian lens and there's topics there's i don't no even want to cover you know
2: right you know you know and so so without hijacking that you know it's the idea that you know that we should only be thinking about it in terms of roads and bridges is absolutely insane you know infrastructure isn't just roads and bridges you know if we expand our telecommunications infrastructure yeah that means that there are going to be more people were' able to work from home you know what that means that means that there are going to be families who are struggling who to afford a babysitter they don't yeah. have to worry about that anymore you know even in my industry the number of people that I've seen, they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, my kids are, it's like the kids, they don't know any better. And you know, technically we're in their space when we're conducting business, you know, the whole idea of business from home is, is, is not new, but it's, it's new to being experienced on a wide spectrum. Um, but the number of people that you know now they don't have to worry about childcare, they don't have to worry about uh, you, they don't have to worry about that expense means that you know they have more food on their table, or maybe they can buy luxury goods. That in and of itself helps stimulate the economy. And of course, there are still going to be plenty of people that are going to have to drop their kids off at daycare oh, yeah. or whatever. That's that's just the nature. But now you know the you hopefully will have an investment in the group of people that are already struggling to make ends meet. And so in this way, now they don't have to necessarily choose between work and family. They get to choose both, and make it work to the best of all of our abilities. I mean, productivity <clears throat> has been so high at this point, even during the pandemic. But places like google and microsoft and apple and amazon are looking at keeping that shift permanent why because people were more productive they had less stress on their own infrastructure around their building and people were less stressed Mm -hmm. out but you know where you have seen an increase in stress is people are burned out you know but but if they're working from home why are they burned out because it's been a fucking pandemic and nobody went anywhere to you know take a vacation right. and blow off steam, you're kind of like, all right, I'm gonna take a week off, and you're stuck at home where you've been working rather than you know, hitting the road and going to the beach or, or maybe driving across the state to go spend a week with family or something, you know, it's those small changes, like even you know even for like companies like Microsoft and Google the simple act of paying their employees an extra hundred dollars a month so that way they've got top end internet Mm -hmm. service makes far more sense than the amount of money that they were spending in overhead keeping a building running. It literally reduces their costs. And then they have spaces for when people need to come in rather than forcing people to come in. It changes, it changes their uh, it, it makes their workplace more dynamic. And, in a lot of ways, has made it a bit more equitable, too. So there's been
1: a lot of wins. There have been some losses. And you can, what you can squeak more hours out of that person. You can there they're, a person working from home, I've noticed, seems to be more on call than when you can just walk away from your job. You know what I mean? Like walk out the do office but, door.
2: It depends. um of course, some companies. Some companies have rules about that. Um, with Ooh. my company it's when when you hit your 8 hours you're done, you log off, you're you're not getting back on unless, you know, you end up being a salaried employee then there are right. different expectations. But even then for the most part it's, you know, unless it's an emergency, you're yeah, done, yeah. you're not getting back on.
1: And that varies from company to company, mm-hmm. owner to owner, you know. Right. So.
2: And and that's the thing is is that, you know, what well so what does that you know what does that change look like in in the long run? well, if you think about it a lot where a lot of these major employers are, you have a lot of focused on restaurants and shopping and all those things that are right around the employer all right. So what I envision happening now is, you know, because a lot of those places had to shut down and there are a lot of empty spaces, you're going to see a redistribution of where these places are located. Because now they're going to be closer to your neighborhoods rather than to a city center. So now, you know, you got your friend who might live a few houses down who works at the restaurant. Great, you know, that's cool. You know, be able to, you know, see them at the restaurant. They're not having to commute into the city as well to work, you know, a minimum wage job. So even then, that redistribution of where your shopping centers are, where your restaurants are, where your services are, are now closer to their homes too. So people who have been struggling, you know, financially to make money because they have to commute so long and so far Mm -hmm. wouldn't have to do that now. They'll have better opportunities.
1: Yeah. And it's going to uh, redistribute the political population because the rural areas are more red than the city areas. And so if it dispenses Democrats into that, there'll there'll be a bit more balance. It'll be harder to gerrymander, I guess, you know.
2: Oh, no. they'll. That'll still be a thing, yeah. That that these two parties do because they they just they want power and they want control. There's been no question about that in any way, shape, or form, right? You know these 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 these, these political powers that be. You're seeing the vestiges of two defunct parties that right. are just vying for control of whatever they have left.
1: Right. People are
2: finally getting tired of it.
1: That's for sure. There's more independence than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm so, Yeah.
2: And, and I don't blame them.
1: So let's see. Uh, we There's calls to boycott the Olympics in China. You mentioned that. That's always exciting. Or they're suggesting that uh, collusionary tactics of creating a corporate tax, a global corporate tax, where all the countries get together and say, this is the flat tax that we're going to. So nobody's, it's not a race to the bottom, says uh, Janet Yellen, Treasury Treasury Secretary. And that's all fun stuff. Is there anything you wanted to cover? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. You mentioned fentanyl too. And George Floyd had three. I don't know what it is. I don't know the measurements, but he had three and that's enough for an overdose, but it contributed. It didn't cause. So whatever you want to talk.
2: So, you know, looking at the trial there, what you've seen is a bunch of people saying, you know, the way in which that he was restrained would have mechanically restricted his breathing, overdose or not. Right. You know what you do have to take into consideration is, is that yes, because he was high, um, <clears throat> because he was high, uh, you have this issue of when people's muscles get relaxed, there is that struggle of you know, is a little bit more labor.
1: I lost you on that one. You can listen to Public Access America on Spotify, Apple Podcast, TuneIn Radio. Sorry, you you blanked out there.
2: Yeah, yeah, everything went went uh, south there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It he he was fine. It he wouldn't have died if there wasn't a knee on his neck.
2: And, and, and that's the thing though, is, is, is that I think I mentioned it last week on, on the podcast is, is that there was a case in El Paso that pretty much plays out the same way, like 2016 or something like that. Right. Basically, you know, as the data analyst, my brain goes, okay, so you've had two people that have supposedly been on, on drugs and have been kneeled on and they are now dead because of that is it the drugs or is it the officer it's like well here's my thought they were breathing fine on their own with the drugs in their system Uh so what changed what was the catalyst exactly um well so far it looks like the catalyst is you know being mechanically restricted from breathing so as a data analyst my my thought is is that unfortunately we have to look around the country for more cases and more information. Yeah. Because if you have a bunch of people who are on drugs uh, on different, you know, downers and you see that play through time and again, then it's an issue of the force that's being used.
1: Right. So, and I don't want to, I don't want to belabor the fact, but fentanyl is a regulated drug that is, um, you know, prescribed and he had pain. So it's not like he couldn't have possibly been on it legally. You know what I mean?
2: Right. And, and that's, you know, but that's everybody, you know, that's the whole victim blaming thing. It's like, oh, well, what was she wearing? Oh, well, what drugs
1: was he doing? You know, victim, you know what victim blaming is when we're talking about the George Floyd trial? That right there, that right there. It's the, it's the Derek Chauvin trial, right? It's not the George Floyd trial, but everybody shorthands it to the George Floyd trial. And it just, i heard that today. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? It's not his trial. He's not on trial you know? No, exactly. And
2: that's just it. And and when you have multiple people saying that what he was doing was against policy, Mm -hmm. and when you have multiple uh, forensic medical experts saying that he was mechanically restricted from breathing. Yeah. The idea that, oh, it was the overdose is the same thing as, you know, it's this, it's this greater case of denial of, of medical fact that we've seen play out over the past year and a half.
1: Right. Not to mention you're a drug addict and maybe deserved it.
2: It's, it's, it's absolutely insane that this is one of those things where we have to blame the victim on this because you know let's take you know what would what would happen if george floyd would have been joe johnson Ooh. you know some fucking white dude from minneapolis that had this happen to him right you know would there be the same level of outcry maybe not would there be the same level of of inquest into what was happening i honestly think so i think that if if some it would have been some white dude that had been kneeled on and died Uh there would probably be a little bit more sympathy into oh well what caused his death maybe we should look at changing the policy on how we restrain people on drugs right but because um, it's a black man you know we're looking at blaming the victim for dying and being on drugs not the fact that he was fucking killed over a potential fake twenty dollars bill right and-, and and the idea that the idea that anything like that is a death sentence, like if you think that somebody deserves death over anything like that, you really need to reengage your moral compass. we you know
1: re-engage our moral compass. <clears throat> we don't care about people anymore. I don't want to I shouldn't have to supplement your lifestyle my taxes shouldn't go to support you even though it's the system that crushed you the system i support crushes you but i don't think you deserve any help. and i want to say if if you wanted the officer to be on trial all you had to do is change the skin tones if it was a black officer on a white guy yes they would have been digging into that officer saying oh well he was antifa oh well look at that he was radical parts of look at on facebook he was he was he he was at a protest once you know what i mean they would have dug mm-hmm. into that stuff
2: and that's and that's just it is is that you know you you have that issue mm-hmm. plus you also have this issue of the fact that the prosecutors they're very the, the prosecutors that are trying this case are they're very mechanical Medi- you know methodical, it's, yeah." not even i wouldn't say methodical i i say mechanical they're used to very much the okay here's the report and then what happened mm. and then what happened and then what happened and they're right. not really I... encompassing the you know how a person is feeling or or the emotion and that's why like some of this emotion that you've seen play out has been really tough yeah yes. because and and why the why the state's prosecutor's come off as cold because you know, they're used to dealing with, you know, police reports that are mm-hmm. written as fact. And here you're dealing with emotional human beings that watch someone just get fucking killed over a $20 bill.
1: And it's no, there's no question. he, he There's no question he's guilty. And like, <coughs> you know, I got a job at Publix yesterday and I went into work and I cost them $27 million. They fired me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. It just at its base, if you cost your employer 27 million dollars, there you should be you should be disciplined. Like there's there's a problem there. You just owned up to the guilt. And that at the beginning of the trial, that's what it was that we tainted the jury by by doing that payout. And the other thing I wanted to get to really quick was one time you said that the average life uh, was worth like thirty-three million dollars. I think you said.
2: Oh, it wasn't 33 million. It was more like 3 million.
1: Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, isn't that racism in in the slightest form of offering a black man $27 million for a life that's normally 33 million? But 3 million, wow. Okay. That's good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I would have to look at, at one point it was, they had, you know, the estimated average productivity of a human life was something like $3 million or something like that over their lifetime. Wow, that sucks. Um, <laughs> so, so that, you know, yeah, it's not exactly fantastic, but mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we the valuation of a human life is really is is really something else the fact that you know you even have to consider it in terms of dollar amounts should be a bit disconcerting to most people yes but when it comes to like the different realities of of why when it comes to the 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 whole settlements and and It really is. It really is a struggle in in that regard because, you know, 3 million doesn't seem like a lot, but when you think about the memories that you have with your family members, the ones that you might be close to, Mm -hmm. even some of the ones that, you know, might've fallen away from you, that's tough. You know, the pain and suffering that has been caused, you know, a lot of the times when you see settlements like this, it's not just because you know that person's life is valued at 27 million dollars it's that it is the cost of what it's going to take somebody to learn from their mistake and to Mm -hmm. make sure that it doesn't get repeated yeah the pain has to unfortunately the pain has to be financially hard enough to make people understand that if you don't change this the next time it's going to be more expensive because you obviously didn't learn your lesson and that's and that's where the struggle is but isn't that the a, amount isn't of
1: that a government trick because they're using taxpayer dollars to pay it
2: that's the that's the worst part about it is is that you know the city's insurance is going to pay that
1: out okay what it's going to be but then their rates are obviously going to go up if there's no fixing the problem if they didn't show that they changed.
2: Yep. Which is why, you know, I, without knowing what the settlement with the family was, at a minimum it needed to cost policy. Like yeah, they had to change. They've got to look for some significant reforms in their policing. Yeah. And the money is to make sure that they understand that if you do this again, it's going to hurt even more.
1: Right. But it shouldn't hurt the people of Minnesota, you know, shouldn't it shouldn't,
2: but that's, but that's the reality of, that's the reality of
1: these public servants
2: regarding, regarding the way that police are allowed to maintain themselves, which is why, you know, now you're seeing states start to repeal, you know, qualified immunity.
1: I hope so. I hope they do it at a federal Colorado
2: did. Um, Looks like Maryland, they overrode the governor's veto nice um there was one other state that did too and i've heard uh, new mexico maybe i think new mexico
1: i mean that's great
2: and and that's and and the the more states that do that in the you know it's going to hurt a little bit in the long run uh not in the long run in the short term Mm. but in the long run you're going to see a
1: shift in tactics yeah of course of course and You know, somebody being guilty, but coming from one side as opposed to the others, a guy can still be exonerated if he did what he did in the course of his job. If he was being shot at and shot shot at somebody else and killed them, it's going to come out, right? And he did that in the course of his duties. But if you're kneeling on a guy's neck for nine minutes and you see him go limp at six minutes, that's different. And you can prosecute that if there isn't that immunity hmm exactly
2: you know the, the the tough part about officer shooting is is that when you're not sure who you're up against uh, whether or not they've got a gun uh-huh. they that's that is a that is a long deep conversation to have but what we i mean what we see time and again is is that plenty of dudes that look like me don't end up dead on their fucking face
1: mm-hmm Okay. I think, I think plenty of guys like you do. I just,
2: Oh, there's don't get me wrong. There are people that I just think they're a
1: lot poorer than you or me or even me. You know what I mean? I don't think,
2: but I don't think the number of times, like, but when you look at the news, the number of times that some white dude has had a shootout and gets to walk away from it. Oh, agreed. Some dude, some black dude who, didn't even have a fucking gun on him ends up face down on the street. Like, yeah. like that in and of itself should tell you enough. Like when, something's got to
1: change when a six-year-old black kid goes to court because he picked a tulip at the bus stop in North Carolina and needs a coloring book. Cause he's bored at his own trial. There's an issue. There's an issue there. Yes. I, I right. but I also, and I don't want to, I'm not, I'm saying it's rationally radically disproportionate. Like I am saying Absolutely. more black people definitely get shot, but I'm also going to say that that there's a media trend of um, showing that more, more since. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, nobody's going to pay attention if another white guy gets shot by cops, especially a ge- Florida man. You know what I mean?
2: Well, that's, that's just it. But, but we also have seen too, like, you know, Like today there's going to be, you know, around the country, there's white lives matter protests that are going to take
1: place. It's fucking stupid because they don't, there's just as many white people as black people that are homeless and you don't give a fuck about them. That's my point. Nobody cares if a black guy and a white guy and a Latino guy all get shot. If they're homeless, nobody gives a fuck if they die. That's the thing. And I, Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's terrible. What's going on all the way around. But part of me wants to tell black people like, you're you're not struggling alone, and I, I said this on TikTok to somebody. When you make a generalization and you create an average from any group and you make them monolithic when they are not monolithic, you're denying allies, and you're mm. they they don't want to help you anymore. And you have allies, and you should be sticking up for black people that are homeless as much as black people that are just with a twenty dollar bill that might be fake, which we still. Do not know.
2: Right. And, and that's just it is, is that uh, until you start embracing team humanity, yeah. you know, rather than, you know, white lives, black lives, blue lives, whatever the fuck you want to try to embrace. Right. Like, we got to go to bat for each other. Yeah. When, when the system does wrong.
1: Yeah. Take off the No prefix. matter who it is. Take off the because prefix
2: because we saw it very clearly blue lives only mattered as long as they were snuffing out black lives. Yeah. What all lives matter didn't show up when there was some white dude in Arizona who got gunned down by a cop for right. you know, quote unquote, not following orders, despite that cop having the words you're fucked engraved on his AR. Wow. So when, when I hear people say blue lives and all lives, I hope bullshit because mm. when it's, Someone who is of color that's getting snuffed out, they don't give a shit. Right. They show up to to protest, counter-protest. But when it's somebody that looks like them, they ain't there. So, you know, I don't want to hear it. There are very few people I would consider, you know, when they say all lives matter. They really, truly, you know, they're out there fighting for black lives. They're Mm -hmm. out there fighting for Latino lives, LGBT. Like, there are truly few people out there that I would say actually truly embrace that
1: agreed and it's just life matters somebody said once you can't take your skin off but you can take your uniform off
2: you know what i mean exactly you know and and if you're going to if you're going to proclaim that life matters then then you got to start showing up for everybody you got and, and you got to and that's and that's just it as you know right now we got to call out the disparities of black lives that are being effective yeah but we also need to make sure that when when the solution comes up for how we address that that it's a human solution right that it fits all people and that and that you know because because as we've talked about many times somebody else having more rights does not equate to somebody else having less
1: right and i'm gonna wrap up on my final thought because we're running out of time um black people have been struggling since the beginning of time right like the first Non conforming. I mean, the first white people picked on black people the first time they saw them. But I do want to say that disabled people have been treated just as crappy for just as long. The first disabled person was killed at birth. Like they didn't treat us right. They put us in mental institutions and not on slave uh, farms, which I don't know which is worse. You know, I'm just saying that. What I'm saying is that we've all been, you're not the only struggle and you're not even the ones that have struggled the longest and you can't deny your allies where you have them. There's 49 million disabled people. There's 45 million black people together. That is almost hundred million people separate. It's two groups that are never going to get what they want, but they're both being treated the same by the system that is treating them. Which is
2: why, you know, I look at the system and say, you know, people who want more intervention from these systems, mm-hmm. it, to me, you're asking for more of the same. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and it's, you know, I know that you've gotten to see my point of view on that firsthand a little bit more. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I really hope that... You know we really embrace community efforts rather than governmental efforts because because community in communities you look at the way that people come out for each other it's they're always coming out for each other regardless of who it is that's right because that's that's your that's your neighbor next door and the more that we try to do this together uh, and create community solutions, the better it's going to be the more equitable it's going to be the the more that you're going to have cooperation with all of your allies yeah I agree. But uh, until then, it's going to be government and it's going to be divisive. And we're just going to keep seeing the same beating of our head off the walls while nothing actually gets solved.
1: But it used to be townships and, and cities, small cities that would do what they wanted. And then another city would be like, hey, I like that. And they would incorporate it. And then eventually the state would vote on it. And then the federal government would be like, wow, that's kind of cool. But now it seems like the federal government says, do this, and the states like mm, we're going to do this, and then the communities are like, we got to do what? You know what I mean? And that doesn't fit. The federal government does not know how to regulate Montana and Florida and Chicago and Pittsburgh in the same ways because it doesn't. It isn't the same people. So I don't know. I just think we're relying. We should rely on government to protect our borders and to create commerce overseas to be a part of that. But I don't really don't think. I don't think even states. State legislators have the right to legislate a community even within their state if it's radically opposed to the values of that community. Mm-hmm. And welcome to the doorstep. <laughs> All right. That's cool. Cool. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey.
2: You have yourself a fantastic
1: day. I'm going to go to sleep. As much as you can. I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. You go have fun shooting your gun. I, I can't believe you need an appointment to go shoot your gun. Well, I mean, that's COVID for you. Right. And everybody go ahead and look into the gun legislation that Joe Biden is proposing, because maybe next week we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. Love (laughs) you. See you later. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to Public Access America's live stream. That was Jeffrey and Jason. We were just hanging out, having a great time. I am going to end the live stream, but I am going to continue to record. But for all of you Red Circle listeners and listeners on Spotify, thank you. Radio Public, thank you. Amazon Music, Audible, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Player FM. Did you know that you can simply ask your Google device to play Public Access America now? And it will. I love you guys. Hey, don't forget to check out Public Access America on YouTube, where we have live streams. If you visit the playlist section of the YouTube at Public Access America, you'll find a live stream for Public Access America, Inspirations Beyond Disabilities, the Denton County Collective, and coming soon next Thursday night. I I don't even know what time it is. It's going to be 9 or 10, 10 Eastern and six or seven Pacific. Adam Gonzalez from Adam has a beard is going to be joining me on the unsigned countdown. So we're going to start that back up. Hey, just really quickly. In 2009, I decided to learn about podcasting, and in 2011, we started the Unsigned Countdown with Tony Leonardi, and then Adam Gonzalez, and then an array of characters, and you can listen to that back catalog. It is awesome. It is really great. Go look up the Unsigned Countdown. It's also, since we've moved it to Red Circle, it's everywhere, just like uh, Public Access America, Inspirations Beyond Disabilities, and the Denton County Collective, as well you should also go check out Adam has a beard because I love my brother, a brother, brother from another state, <laughs> but thank you for listening. You all have a great day and, uh, go get your shot. Don't worry about it. It's better to be alive and in pain than dead and in none. I'll talk to you later.
0: To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all the America's beacon still burns as bright. Tonight, we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope.
2: Let me tell you something you already know.
1: The world ain't all sunshine and rain. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees they're permanently let it. It. If You, we are it. nobody. nobody. It's gonna hit as hard as life.
2: Ask
0: not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your husband. Five poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression issue. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how it's hard you can get it and keep, keep moving, moving forward. How much you can much take it take and keep, keep moving forward. forward. That's how winning is done.
1: Welcome to Public Access America.
0: Yes, we can. Yes, we
1: can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out, run out of that tunnel for my dad. dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcast, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, and Spotify. Yes, Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making, making history in the making.